0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I should have offered as well a word of welcome to all of you who uh, realized um, that 10.30 wasn't 10.30, but actually 11.30. So everyone's welcome. Um, When we receive Holy Communion at this Mass, everyone's kneeling and you just receive on the tongue. When we heard the gospel today, when you heard it chanted just now from St. Matthew about the transfiguration, I'd like you to consider one one very simple question to help you in your prayer life, especially in your life of meditation, this Lenten season. How did St. Matthew find out about it? Certainly, as much as we are in awe of the gifts that Christ promises to St. Peter and his successors, And as we understand the grace of infallibility when it is exercised as an incredible example of the power of the Holy Spirit, the church realizes as an even greater work of the Holy Spirit and even a far surpassing gift is the Holy Spirit granting inspiration to the sacred authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter. James, especially St. Paul. So we know that St. Matthew had the gift of inspiration. But we also know, if you followed along, Jesus told Peter, James, and John not to talk about this until the Son of Man was risen from the dead which was also another way of telling them to talk about it after the Son of Man is risen from the dead. So St. Matthew, the tax collector, heard about it and was blessed with inspiration from the Holy Spirit to know what to say about it and what to write down for our salvation. How many times do we read in sacred scripture, in the gospels, about the apostles arguing with each other, especially arguing about who's more important than whom? As much as it is worthy of our Lord's immediate rebuke, it's also not entirely surprising. How many times does our Lord go somewhere and take Peter, James, and John? And only those three. On two occasions, Peter, James, John, and Andrew Two pairs of brothers, James and John, you know, sons of Zebedee. Simon Barjona, Andrew Barjona, brothers. But in most instances, St. Andrew is not mentioned as being in that separate group that's taken by our Lord. To raise a girl from the dead, to go even deeper into Garden of Gethsemane. The rivalry and the question isn't worth too much of our time, but it is worth thinking about just because it's described in sacred scripture and we naturally want, want to know, we will find out eventually, what were they arguing about? Were, were the other nine arguing that the other three needed extra help and that's why they were brought along? Was Andrew arguing that my brother's the most important, you just wait and see? Were the nine envious of the three? Were the three arguing among each other who stood closer to our Lord when that happened? Or who was permitted to speak? Or who was shot down? They cared, they argued about it. Fortunately, they were healed of that too. Consider how part of our meditation after Easter will be all the things that the apostles bring back to mind now that they've seen our Lord die on the cross and rise from the grave. Now they will understand so much more of what he said. Now, Peter, James, and John will talk about what happened in the Transfiguration on Mount Tabor. And they will talk about it then in the presence of the one whose appearance has been transfigured by the resurrection. They saw a glimpse of his glory on the mountain. And how will they speak about it? in the presence of him. Imagine that, even though that's not something that happened in the days leading up to our Lord's death, I invite you to think about it now. How would our Lord have talked to them about his own transfiguration and what it looked like? when Peter, James, and John were right there and knew what it looked like. Imagine how the other nine wondered what happened on that mountain. Did they ask Peter, James, and John, why did it take so long? Where did you all go? What did you do? Was anyone else there? And the Peter, James, and John couldn't talk about it. Not allowed to talk. And certainly, they're not allowed to say, something really awesome happened, but I'm not allowed to talk about it. They couldn't say that either. They saw our Lord They saw Moses. They saw Elijah. They were overwhelmed. They saw light. They were in darkness. And they would tell the apostles about it in such detail that those same apostles would be able to tell others and would be able to write about it almost as they were there themselves. And so one little lesson is our being guided by the Holy Spirit. First of all, in appreciating how through others the Holy Spirit has taught us prudence, honesty, discretion. But we'll also have guidance from the Holy Spirit when not to talk about some things, even beautiful and holy things. And when to talk about it. When to tell everybody about what's happened to us when to explain what God has done. It's easy for us as as Christians who are trying to understand better our Lord and what is expected of us when we are trying to serve him better, more faithfully, more courageously. When we learn something, we either think that other person already knows it or they'll learn it eventually. Eventually they'll eventually read the book. Much of the way that we go about worshiping God and serving God and learning about God doesn't take into consideration that God has revealed things to us. He has put things on our heart. He has touched our soul. And for a time, he wants you simply just to rest with it. But then there may be a time later on when he wants you to tell everybody about what happened. It may be about something that they would learn eventually. It may be about something that's so beautiful and so unique that it actually will only happen to you, but other people need to know about it to give thanks and praise to God. We do, to one degree or another, understand uh, our, our vocation as apologists, as people who are trying to persuade others into this or trying to correct others who misunderstand it. But in our, in our lives as sons and daughters of God to whom these sacred mysteries have been entrusted, we should be even more ready to talk of the beauty of God as we've experienced it. And even to speak of our trials and of God's victory through our trials. Not in a way that necessarily Pollutes others' imagination, but in a way that gives others encouragement. Last week, did it occur to you? It didn't until a few days ago. Last week, did it occur to you when we were listening to the gospel about our Lord's temptation? How did they find out about it? How did this get into the Gospels? Again, we reverence the work of the Holy Spirit in the gift of inspiration, even superior to the gift given to the successors of St. Peter. But it stands to reason, at some point in time, our Lord told the apostles, about his battle with the devil in the desert. He told them what the devil said to him. He told them how he responded. He talked to them about how hungry he was, how exhausted he was, and he even told them about how the angels came and minister to him afterwards. It's, it's not a teaching, certainly. When I pray about that, when I, when I think about not just the temptation, but when I think about our Lord telling the apostles about the temptation, I always imagine that, or I've been only been thinking about it for a few days. I think about it. Certainly, is happening after our Lord's resurrection. Our Lord telling them about things they had no idea about. We've thought about this. We've 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 brought it to mind when we think of Our Lady speaking to St. John, telling him about things that happened in our Lord's early life, and things that were said about him. Our Lord wants to speak to you the way he spoke to the apostles. He doesn't just want to give you marching orders. He doesn't just want to correct you. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to desire to know his heart, to know his mind. Eventually in heaven, we'll, we will know every detail. We'll be able to marvel in glory at everything that ever happened, everything he ever did, everything he ever said, everything he ever heard. For now, we've been told what we, what we need to know, what's helpful for us to know for the sake of our salvation. It behooves us, then, if the Holy Spirit decided, yeah, every human being for the rest of human history really should know about these things. It really needs to be written down. Let's, let's read it again and open our hearts and then be ready to tell others so they can experience it almost as they had been there themselves. There's a beautiful little prayer towards the end of Holy Mass that almost always puts a smile on my face because of how Peter, James, and John, obviously James and John are particularly dear to me, St. James being uh, a patron, um, as James is my middle name, and John uh, a name taken at confirmation for the sake of Don Bosco. St. Andrew has always been for me that, that apostle so close to our Lord and yet just on the outside of that inside circle. Well, it's just after the chancing of the Our Father when you see the subdeacon bring up the paten and the deacon purify it or at a misa cantata like this, you see the priest slide out the patent from underneath the corporal, and he cleans it ever so gently and then puts it on its edge when it's, when it's ready. He says this prayer Liber nos quesimus domine ab omnibus malis, perteritis presentibus et futuris, ed intercedenta beata gloriosa semper virene dei genetrice Maria, see he empowers his head slightly, cum beati supposedly tuis Petro et Paolo atque Andrea. Et omnibus sanctis. And then the priest makes the sign of the cross with the patent. Da propitius pacemandibus, nostrisidopem, as I record the etui aduti, and then he kisses the edge of the paten. Et a peccatus simus semper liberi, et ab omni perturbatione securi. Saint Andrew's name is mentioned at every Mass, not just in the naming of the 12 apostles, obviously, Saint Paul replacing the one who betrayed our Lord. But he's also included in this little group. It's not just the three, Peter, James, and John, that are mentioned in this prayer. But it's blessed apostles Peter and Paul and Andrew. And James and John aren't even there. Whatever Andrew suffered was healed by the resurrection. Whatever, whatever privileges we're given by virtue of anything in life, we need to use them for the salvation of other people, not for our own glorification. And whatever we suffer, because we don't have a privilege, or we don't have a secret, or we don't have the invitation, we can trust eventually it'll all be healed, and it won't matter. As long as I'm present when our Lord is worshiped, I will have nothing but thanks to offer to Almighty God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.